it's coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. At least you're in a country where people speak English. Oh my that God. would be a lot worse if you're in France or Germany or something. Right? Well, when they host the Super Bowl in Mexico City, you know, that's that's going to be a little more difficult if things like that happen. <laughs> going to be a lot of shrugging. Yeah, but, uh, but no, that's, know, that's kind of the only blip so far on this whole trip at the moment. Like, It is all coming up, Wilson. I I'm mean, really happy for you, man. Really happy. For even you. even I can't believe you're on the sidelines for the whole thing, mate. Even the last night, shit I've ever seen. Last night I had dinner, and it was like quarter past six, and I overheard somebody saying that the Golden Knights, which is the NHL team that are based in Vegas, were playing, and I hadn't mm-hmm. checked that, so I was like, oh, wonder if there's like tickets available. It starts in forty five minutes. Where's the arena? The arena's just over the road from the hotel that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I checked online and nosebleed seats were like 60, 70 bucks plus handling fees and all that. And I was like, ah, oh, forget that. What I'll do is I'll walk across to the box office, see if they've got anything left over instead or something like that. So I went to the box office yeah, yeah. and a guy in like, while I'm in the queue just says, Hey, do you need a single ticket? I was like, yeah. He's like, I've got this section two, a hundred dollars right now. I was like, well, I know two generally means near the front because, like, if you're on 202, that's yeah, normally, like, like, the second tier. So probably, like, one two. row back from, one section back from the glass or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and 100 bucks seems like a pretty good deal. And I was like, is this all legit? Like, come on, mate. Like, I can't be asked dick around here. What's going on? He's like, no, literally, I'll walk into the arena with you. And when they get to the ticket part, they'll scan my phone they'll print you off a ticket and you walk in and that's when you give me the hundred dollars i was like okay it worked perfectly and i was five rows back from the ice just on the corner behind the goaltender like watching the vegas knights play hockey 20 minutes later so it took like good it it was awesome vegas won like 5-1 against buffalo I, i really enjoy going to hockey anyway like you could see you could hear them talking on the ice you're that close it was wow. insane. And it's still not as close as I got for the NFC Championship game. <laughs> <laughs> that was unreal. Man. That was oh, Jesus. unreal. Which was the video? You sent a lot of videos, but was it when Debo scored? Oh, Debo runs up to me. He's Yeah, and he's literally like a foot away from you. <laughs> I had to step away from him to like, yeah. Yeah, that was that was just bonkers. Because we had obviously we had sideline passes for pregame. Can you still hear me? I've, uh, yeah, yeah, lost I got you. There. I got you. Don't worry, buddy. Okay. We uh, we had sideline passes for like that ended half an hour or so before kickoff. So we go down, and me and Andy were absolutely buzzing just about that because we're really close for warm ups. OBJ yeah. compliments my jacket, like you know, just. Uh, crazy things. Um, Eric Griffin is in a box with uh, Hawkeye and some people. So I said hi to Eric Griffin and stuff. And yeah, like that's that was insane enough. We were allowed to walk onto the field just before warm up. So I stood in the end zone 
at SoFi, and I was like, this is great. And we were told that we had post game. And you got to watch the the game, the previous game on uh, the big screens. Right? Yeah, like as it's all building up and stuff, and the crowd, the crowd is going nuts for the Bengals. Like there, nobody wanted Mahomes, and so many people have referenced the brother and wife stuff in like the fallout of like people <laughs> so just... it's not just us then no every everyone in the u.s oh, seems to oh, hate that man. or everyone in u.s sports seems to hate that like massive. he's really yeah his pr people really should tell him to get a handle on his family because <laughs> it's just it's doing him down like he should be everyone's favorite quarterback yeah right now yeah he should be yeah. the guy taking over the mantle from brady but he's like the yeah. better more fun version of brady because we had to deal with patriots brady and instead it's like so the crowd's going nuts every time the Bengals are doing stuff and to be honest we're kind of kind of busy though not busy but you know what I mean like you're not focusing on the screen up above you all the time when you're kind of focusing on you know yeah you're getting ready for the Johnny Johnny right? Hecker's right in front of us and stuff um so anyway so I, I decided to take a little walk up the sideline of the Niners bench and kind of get chatting with a couple of reporters and stuff that are there and then I looked to my right and Frank Gore's just stood there. I was like, holy crap, that's Frank Gore. Like, wow. The inconvenient truth. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so I had a quick chat with him. Nothing too in-depth or anything. He obviously doesn't want anything to do with me at all. Uh, and by that point, we're under half an hour before kickoff. So I should have been turfed out. And I, as I'm chatting with Frank, and once that's done, I like look up and I'm like, huh, nobody else is really here. Okay. <laughs> and all I can see is the the Fox broadcast sideline guy and cameraman. And I'm like, okay. Well, no one has told me to leave yet. And... If worse comes to worse, I can probably blag that I didn't really know or something. I'm not sure. And I just kind of stayed by the Niners bench. And then I saw them lining up in the tunnel, just like down to my left. And was like, okay, they're coming out on the pitch and I still haven't been asked to move. And so I'm stood did there. You have anybody, did you have anybody tackled like in your, where you were standing? Did you have players come in like... In, into the sidelines and like where you were and stuff. Did Nothing, you have to move out of the way? Of no, I didn't have to. The only person I had to move out of the way of was Debo with his touchdown celebration. When he scored. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I was wondering if there was going to be a point where like, you know, OBJ ends up getting like hit into you or something like that. I would have been uh, like, no, yeah. I was wondering, you could have got taken out. Uh, God that damn would have been a thing to remember, wouldn't it? I broke my arm, but it was awesome. But that, that would have actually, I think been the worst thing to happen because then there's the, Oh, they get worried about, you know, somebody getting hurt on the sideline or something, but then they find out you're not meant to be there on the sideline, which then causes all the problem. I was thinking, uh, just don't, basically look like you're meant to be there and don't do anything that's going to cause too much attention. Yeah. So just don't kind of... anyone up, like Larry David. Yeah, like, yeah, like Larry with Shaq. Like, <laughs> oh God, Debo's gone down with an ankle injury, fell over some reporter after that celebration. What the hell? Game's over. Ah, we're screwed. Um, yeah, it was. Imagine just... the 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 converse the the result you would have been if the Cowboys had been playing and you just tripped up like oh, Ezekiel Elliott. He's an Eagles fan. Get couldn't, him. couldn't have stood on that sideline if it was Dallas. Like I'd have, <laughs> I'd have gone immediately to the other side. I was because I didn't go to the Rams sideline because I thought 
there's probably a bit more attention as well on the Rams sideline than the Niners, oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And also, Smart. I just also mm-hmm. I just figured like don't, again, don't draw attention to yourself by being the guy that's walking around the back of the end zone. Like, not again a great smart thing to do. Uh, so, but if it, if, the, if that had been the Cowboys oh, in a heartbeat, I'm not sitting there. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Mike, so did you? You're fat, Mike. You're you're really <laughs> really fat. <laughs> did you did you hold it for the whole three hours or whatever? Did you go to the toilet and then come back? Or no, no, no. You didn't, kind of realized, didn't, like, ah, I saw it. Didn't go anywhere. Didn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't drink. I didn't drink a drop of water once I got into SoFi because uh, we dropped our bags. Like, I'll be dehydrated, but I can't. Like, I don't. Can't be I'm moved not leaving. Right now. No, I, I, I only had my phone. Otherwise, I'd have taken like better shots with um, better cameras and stuff like that. But because I only yeah. had my phone, because my bag was upstairs in the press room, because I thought we were we were meant to be watching it from the fifth, sixth tier in the press room. And like, yeah, I was no way am I leaving. You just you need to stay until you get told to leave. That's all you've got to do. Can't see me if I don't move. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) their vision is based on movement. Your boy, so your your pal left then, did he? So I get a message from him. You were on your own. Yeah, we were we were told that during the game we'd be able to try and we could either watch it from the press room or we'd find a viewing spot somewhere uh, in the arena to be able to watch, and. um and so I get a message from him being like, oh, mate, where do you want to go and watch? Where are you at? I was like, are you not here? Because at that point, again, I wasn't really <laughs> sure if I was meant to be moved on or not. He was like, here's where? I was like, I'm still down on this pitch. Where are you? He's like, oh, I got told to leave. I'm up in the stands. I'm on like the fourth and tier. Like, I'm not good. Anyway, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I said to him like, okay, well, you enjoy the view from up there. I'm definitely staying here. Like every man for himself at this point. But he managed to get Definitely. back down to the sideline at halftime. Oh, so he watched the second half of the Yeah, year. and he's such That's a huge nice. Niners fan that I was convinced he was going to get thrown out because he was... Go- like, when George scored his oh, touchdown, he was doing that. like, oh go God. on, George, come on, and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, Andy, chill. That must have been something for him. Oh, I man. they didn't win. It was a trip. Oh, he was so miserable. Because then the full-time whistle goes. Well, whistle time expires whatever and um and we just stroll out onto the field into the celebrations of the rams players like aaron donald dancing around you von miller obj jalen ramsey they're all just right next to you celebrating and going nuts (laughs) and andy is there miserable sick (laughs) absolutely sick as a dog oh that's rough yeah but like Oh yeah, that's tough. He was like that's an tough. amazing I, experience, I, but the worst. But fin- tainted, finish. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to um, at least at least it takes the edge off for him covering his team in the Super Bowl because he wouldn't be able to enjoy a second of that. Yeah. So at least he can just enjoy the spectacle. Well, he he's um yeah. he's also saved himself a lot of money because he's now like, well, I'm not going to fly myself back out to LA for the big game. I will be because he he left on Monday. Um, to go back to the UK, so oh, he's not covering the Super Bowl. No, no, he's um, he's the guy who does the NFL commentary uh, for the visually impaired at Tottenham. Who basically, I know him through work, um, and he's a good guy. And then I was like, uh, look, I thought it was a Talksport guy. No, no, I said, look, Talksport are letting us apply with them, and we'll do some content for them and everything like that. But also, uh like nfl uk knows you so 
they know that you'll go there to it work. Should be okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 They'll know you'll be responsible <laughs> and stuff like that. So yeah, oh, just a, wow. just a trip. Absolute, absolute trip. I still can't believe it. Like people. It, that's so- got to be on your like ring of honor kind of things that you've done since getting in the industry. Right? Oh, that, to be on the it's, sidelines. It's for- the best thing. Covering a Super Bowl, covering a Super Bowl is is the best for commentary. But that experience yeah. at that game in particular, the battle for California, yeah. divisional rivals in the game to get to the Super Bowl in this incredible stadium that is packed, and I genuinely had a headache from the noise. It was so loud, <laughs> like I cannot and understand. Because you hadn't had any water for three hours. Yeah, yeah, that didn't that didn't help as well. Yeah, that certainly didn't help. But I, I, it's the loudest I've ever heard a stadium because it was about 50-50 and it was constant whenever an offense was on, just bawling, yelling. I mean, anybody that wants to go and have a look at the videos on Instagram and stuff like that that I've put up, you can just tell how much of a cacophony of noise it was. And, oh, um, yeah. I heard, I heard that the... Um, I saw on Twitter that Sean McVay was asking... And Les Snead were asking Rams fans to not sell their tickets. Yeah. Well, they, they were like, please don't make this like 70% San Francisco fans. But it sounds like at least it was a, yeah, a good it was, mix. It was just about a split. It was, um, yeah. They, they put that embargo on selling them outside, selling tickets, Ticketmaster, selling tickets outside of the yeah. Los Angeles yeah, area as well. Yeah. And then Northern California San Fran fans were like, uh, fuck that. Like, <laughs> we're, we're decking <laughs> this place out. There were some very big patches of red in the stands. Um, well, but- yeah, they got the money and it's not that far away, right? So it just swarmed down and took it over. But that's the one as well that I'd rather do the sideline for, like a conference game as opposed to the Super Bowl. Because the Super Bowl, there's probably more media down on the sideline. Yeah. Whereas that, like... Yeah. Actually had a, like a surprising amount of room and space and could you know it looked like it from the photos and stand stuff. wherever you wanted. I mean, there's one picture I took where I am over the shoulder of the umpire, like yeah, just and nobody bats an eyelid, just hanging out, like like he's like he's on the looking down the line. He's looking and across, you're just right, and you're looking down like his line over his shoulder, like yeah. And there's there's That's one video so I've got sick. of like Cup catching in the back of the end zone for his last TD, the one that won it for them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I just turn left, and the umpire's right next to me, just giving the signal. It's like, right. <sighs> it's like you were just watching Saturday football or something, like your local team. You're oh, just back on, at Blandolo. You're next to the advertising. Yeah, you're just next to the advertising boards. You know, they're advertising Sam's drills or something, a hiring, and you're just standing <laughs> there, just watching them, just yeah. casually. At just, the championship game. Just chilling. Where you can reach out and touch them. Where just, you can shout at the referee. Just chilling. Oh, mate. Oh, man. That's so crazy. Um, You're very, very fortunate. Oh, so well, jammy. Well, well earned as well. Uh, so jammy. So much luck. So what was your what was your favourite moments from the games then? Um, okay, so again, because of not seeing much of the Bengals, but Joe Burrow's scamper left scamper right breaks out of a tackle is that, rolls is that where i had chris jones who tried to tackle him twice in yeah, the same play is it that and one? miss him and then yeah, he and then crazy. he scrambles seven yards for the first down watching that yeah. sort of play you're like that okay this chief's team is wilting 
and the Bengals have got that in them from their star quarterback. Like it was just such a, a game changer in terms of you look at how how that kind of went down. And then for the Rams, it's the Jaquisi Tart drop followed by OBJ with a big oh. catch down the left sideline, followed by a penalty he for 15 yards. He had a game. OB. Such a good game. Yeah, man. Dude, what did... I mean, talk to me about the Bengals game, because like, as I say, I need, I, I need to hear more about this. I've, obviously, they're replaying the Eli Apple tackle. Everyone's slamming the uh, attempt for Mahomes to go for Tyreek Hill on that uh, play before the half to try and kind of kill the game off at halftime, basically. Yeah, I mean, he was rattled, and I don't think we've seen him rattled a few many times in his short career. It was kind of... You thought it was over, right? I mean, I thought it was I thought it was going to be a bloodbath, and it really looked like that because the Chiefs were driving down the field in a way that they've been doing you know, against the Bills that they've been doing at the end of the regular season. They just look so secure. And it was like, well, we've seen this so many times before. There's no reason to think that when the Chiefs are in this zone that they're going to lose a football game. And the Bengals were stalling and not getting drives together. Everything looked... You know when everything just looks so easy for one team and so hard for another team? Mm. And then it just kind of, it kind of flipped, like not like on a on a dime, but like in the second half, you look at the yardage stats and stuff, and the first downs, the Chiefs really just came out of the gates, and they just couldn't, just couldn't handle it. They started with the ball in the second half, and I think they went, they either went three and out, or they got one first down and then went out and punted. And then it wasn't like the Bengals were amazing, but they really started getting a lot more pressure on Mahomes. They got some hits in. They got a lot. They got three sacks in the second half. They just started. It was it just kind of this feeling of like kind of creeping like dread just like came across this game. And oh, man, it was it was a very strange. I think. It's hard to explain momentum, isn't it, in sport because it's kind of it's so intangible. Mm. But you just you can you can feel it. Even just watching at home in your underpants, you can feel like the way that momentum just starts to shift. And like, yes, the Chiefs didn't sit. They could have probably sealed it before halftime if they'd scored. And Mahomes mismanaged that, and maybe that was enough for him to get his in his own head because it was such a big mistake for them to not kick the field goal, at least. We've never seen him. They did him not need to do that. Struggle with that head game. Like Mahomes is the guy I, that... He always makes the right decisions and he made a really bad decision then. And I, it feels like that might have rattled him for the rest. I think he was probably thinking about that in the locker room and then he came out and they just couldn't move away from it. And I think maybe Andy Reid could have done a better job of supporting him a little bit maybe trying to get the run game going a little bit more like realizing that Mahomes had failed on that last play of the first half but I don't know that maybe that's thinking into it too much I just but it was I've never was, seen him yeah. be he's the unflappable guy that you know 17 seconds two timeouts you genuinely believed that they could do it against the Bills 
the other week. Like, because it's Mahomes, because he is the, okay, well, 17 seconds. All right, well, I'll just have one play of seven seconds, another play of seven seconds, and then we'll kick a field goal. That's fine. And and so for him to to have two games now where against the Bengals, they have been shut down on offense. Three points in either half for the Chiefs against the Bengals is incredible on that Bengals defense. We'll come on to that in a minute. But... But yeah, you 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 looked at Mahomes and saw he wasn't there for whatever reason. There was just the way he seemed to move, the the shots of him on the sideline. He didn't quite look the same guy. And if it is that one play, I mean, how you let that one play when I, I blame some of that on, on Tyree Kill and the fact that he turns almost the wrong way to try and make that catch yeah. you know he opens his body mm-hmm. up the wrong side which is something Tyreek does a lot to then take those two steps back that Jazz hates and then run forward and in fairness to Jazz he did say that that backwards stutter step and then go is going to catch out Tyreek Hill at some point on a big play and uh, ugh, Jazz kind of called it so yeah I guess yeah I mean, we don't need to give him that much credit and all that stuff yeah but the, yeah, I mean, you could say it as well. I mean, just this isn't, you know, like a sports psychology podcast, but Tyreek Hill probably put up one catch and five yards in the second half or something. I mean, I'd yeah. have to have a look at the stats, but it, he's just a, not a non-factor in the second half. So he kind of loses, the, I don't know. I mean, the weirdest thing was how the secondary for the Bengals seemed to react. They started getting pressure up front, yes. But they still, like, Mahomes had several plays where he had loads of time and he was moving around in the pocket back there to give himself even more time. Mm. And you're kind of, you're thinking like, okay, he's had the ball three seconds, four seconds, five seconds sometimes on on these plays. And they're developing and nobody's getting open. And he's just looking downfield at he's, you know, he's not even on his, his third read now. He's just like scanning, like, left and right. And nobody's open. So I don't really know how... I'd like, you know, for somebody clever with football to be able to explain to me how they made that switch, the Bengals secondary, to be able to change their coverage. Well, they they brought... I don't know if they switched to man or they changed the personnel a lot at halftime, but... They doubled the... They just had their number. They doubled the number of times in the second half that they only brought three-man rush. That's what the Mm -hmm. Bengals did. So then they dropped somebody in to cover the right, spy okay. and cover the middle of the field, which then means you lock down Mahomes' running ability to break out left and right. And you also have somebody covering a zone in the center of the field, which makes the underneath play a little more difficult, which then allows you to have three-man rush. You've got eight guys in coverage. You can blanket it, a field. It it didn't even feel like they had three in the, in the rush, though. Well, that's... Because, like, Hubbard and... they. They got to Mahomes. Yeah, like, Hendrickson was, was was awesome. Hendrickson, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was it was it was an amazing second half performance. And I don't think like Burrow was really impressive. We you know we spoke about some of the runs that he had where it felt like, in a similar way to Josh Allen, like it felt like he wouldn't allow his team to lose mm. in in that game. But they just didn't have the ball at the end, and you know he ran out of time. Basically, it wasn't because of him. But he was just like willing them at times, just willing them to like, and he's, 
he's sneaky good at running the ball as well. Like he made some crucial first downs. And I don't know. I just that all of them came together. It wasn't really just about Burrow though. It wasn't like he just went out there and well, that's going to be the world class game. It was all of them. It was like the whole the whole team. Chase, Chase Burrow is the, the is the narrative, unfortunately, that is going to be pushed a lot. But Dan Anarumo, the uh, D coordinator for the Bengals, that Bengals front line in general. Um, yeah. I mean, even the secondaries come up with big plays in this playoff run, in terms of the number of interceptions they got against the Titans on the first play of the game. You know, you look at that. Uh, you look at the the interception in overtime to get Mahomes, albeit a Mahomes that maybe like didn't, a, like didn't I said, right, but... they 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 shut them down. They shut Hill down in the second half. And you, it's incredible. It's so easy to just to follow Burrow, Burrow, Burrow. And there's so many other players. Joe Mixon in overtime, just rumbling and bumbling through to just drive them slowly but surely and safely down into field goal range. I mean, again, it's it's just. The fact that people are now sleeping on Joe Mixon in this team. Oh, they're, yeah, they're so yeah. far. They're the people's team, without a doubt. Without a yeah, doubt. I mean, I, I think nearly everybody's going to be supporting them. All the neutrals will be Bengals. And it's a bit unfortunate for the Rams, because I think the Rams are a fairly popular team. I can't imagine mm. they're too disliked, at least. And they've they had, you know, before I was watching football, but I've seen highlights and, and stuff you know one of the best teams ever in 99 2000 wasn't it and like they've got a kind of fun backstory and i don't know it, it's they've got a lot of like they've got a lot of riding on this super Bowl and a lot of there's a lot of interesting storylines for them as well but all of that is like whatever <laughs> it's all about the bengals like yeah. nobody cares about you it's about the bengals like this is amazing this is an amazing story. I mean, the Rams come from a wild card, the lowest seeded team. People didn't think they were going to make the playoffs at all. They managed to win the division somehow, and they're going to a Super Bowl. Well, two year, two years to turn a franchise from the worst team in the NFL, the very worst mm-hmm. team. That's why this is the best sport. That just shows you. Like, yeah. can you imagine telling? It's possible, yeah. I don't know. Uh, even if you could tell an Arsenal fan that in two years' time you'll be winning a Premier League or second in a Premier League or something like that. Like Obviously, the setup is all different. It's far more difficult in, in football. But like any sports fan would bite your hand off to have a chance if you just said, look, Dave, in two years' time, Atlanta are going to go to the Super Bowl. You're like, nah, it's not going to happen. But it can. It genuinely can. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what keeps you going, and it's what should keep every franchise going is that you can actually turn around and do it the eagles i mean you've been a fan for 20 years yeah and you know they never won a super bowl and i bet at points you're like i don't know if i'm i'll never (laughs) see see one for a long time (laughs) yeah and then it comes along like you just dude just this this stuff can happen it's it's really it's quite hopeful for you know my team, the Falcons, haven't won a Super Bowl. Poor Jags. Lots of other teams that Poor haven't Jags either. Fans. Like, you've been the number one pick so many years, and the one year you're not the number one pick, <laughs> you miss out on the franchise-defining quarterback, arguably. I mean, yeah. Jags fans must look at this Bengals team and just feel sick. Absolutely sick. But that's why you shouldn't be a Jags fan, I guess. 
tough break. Right. Really made a bad choice. Yeah. But the Rams, again, like they're really likable in Aaron Donald, Von Miller. Like they're great characters as well as yeah. unbelievable player. Watching Von watching Von Miller from the sideline is he you I never notice it on kind of TV broadcasts and stuff. Aaron Donald is a wrecking ball, right? He's just snap, go, charge, charge, charge. And that's mm -hmm. behemoth. Von Miller's patience, you know, he will wait a second or so after the snap to let the carnage almost commence. And then he picks his way through. It's it's so he somebody described it perfectly yesterday. Uh TJ Graham, former Philadelphia Eagle, Buffalo Bill. Uh, may have had a spell with the Falcons actually. Bounce has bounced around the league a lot, but I just randomly uh, I recognize the name. Randomly got chatting to him yesterday, uh at a practice session for this college game. And um and he said Von Miller is like watching a cheetah in the wild. Because he's patient and he stalks and stalks and stalks. But when he sees it But when he sees it, he goes and he's Yeah. Savage. Yeah, it this is a like McVeigh's a likable coach. I know he makes bad decisions with challenges and timeouts, and they really need to work on that because they'd used all their timeouts without seven minutes to go in that game. And oh. you were like, you're like, what? How did that happen? What, what was his last one? Was it a challenge? It's a challenge for a fumble at midfield to get the what ball back. And it's like, mate, don't worry about it. This Niners team isn't driving on you except for one big Debo break. Yeah. That but, just seems crazy. In a game like that as well, where you kind of know it's going to come down to the last few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, really odd, that decision. Jesus Christ. But, I know. But, How do you feel about the game overall? Do you feel like the it was just down to the Rams having a better quarterback and that that was enough? Or was it kind of just the Rams' time to just get over the hump with them? The Rams were by far the better team, in my opinion. Yeah. Because they started off with far worse field position on their drives and would get to midfield consistently. Halfway through that game... They outrushed the 49ers. They had three times more the attempts, over double the yardage on the ground. They had enough through the air, like 150 or so with Stafford, maybe a bit less, 130. And mm -hmm. the only trouble was, was the decision-making when they kind of got into the no-man's land of around about the 40-yard line in opposition territory. Because they'd go for a run on first down, it gets stuffed. They'd then throw one deep on second down and miss. And then third down, you're looking at a difficult third and long. And it was, they were able to move the ball up until that point for large parts of the game. And um, so so the yardage was there. The ability to execute was there. It was just some key elements of that offense in, on pivotal, pivotal points in drives when you're on the edge of scoring position that that let them down. And aside from the big Debo break, the Niners had one other drive where they moved the ball fairly consistently and that's when they got the George Kittle touchdown. Mm -hmm. But even then, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't like a long drive or anything. And then Garoppolo hits one from reasonably deep, like 25 yards or something. So I didn't see the Niners. I, we were stood there and being like, how are they still in this game? They're getting hmm. boxed all over the place. And I don't understand how they're level yet let alone going in at the half up yeah i mean shanahan give him his credit he can get you there he just can't 
close it out, unfortunately. I think it's amazing that they managed to get to a championship game at all. Yeah. They didn't... Not that they didn't belong. That seems harsh because they had two really good wins to get there and they closed out the regular season really well. But it's not a great championship team, really. Like, I mean, that, or certainly, I mean, I do put it a lot on the quarterback. Like, yeah. it, I feel like if they had... If they had a top 10 quarterback, that they could have definitely won that game. And I feel it's going to be interesting to see what Shanahan can do um, next year or in future years with a more competent quarterback. Because it wasn't, people kind of forgetting, like he's famous now for his running schemes and stuff. But when he was in Atlanta as the OC with Matt Ryan, the passing game was like record breaking. Mm. It was incredible that year we went to the Super Bowl. And, you know, again, at Washington as well before that. So it will be really interesting to see what he can do. I think he's just so limited with Garoppolo. And I think that the kind of trust level has kind of gone downhill. The the Rams got he, that game where they wanted it, is. which was a final drive yeah. with Garoppolo needing to throw. And, yeah. and, and he'd been fine. He'd game managed up until that point which is what Garoppolo can do, but he can't take you to that next level. He's not a closer. The Niners, basically, um, they need what you get in baseball, which is the closing pitcher. You have the guy that that throws seven innings and then eighth and ninth, they bring in the closer. He's got a cannon of an (laughs) arm and that's it. Um, And maybe, you know, I don't like switching quarterbacks in games. I think I hate it, to be honest. I think it's a terrible idea. But maybe Trey Lance would have been, you know, a mobile guy. You're rushing people off upfield to get the yardage. So then you give Lance we'll never, the opportunity. We'll to... never know. But, you know, we, we'll find out next year how good how good he is, I guess. But he I... just wasn't ready. And I think that's the thing. Like a, a player like Garoppolo is like good enough where you're kind of, you can play them and they're not going to, they, yeah, they can manage the game and they can win you enough games to get you, you know, place, to a championship yeah. game. But yeah, they're going to win you a Super Bowl. Are they going to take you to the next level? And if anything else goes wrong with your team, if your defense doesn't show up, if your mm. skill position players aren't on point, if Shanahan struggles to get the running game going, they're not going to be enough to be able to go out and like be a Burrow and a Josh Allen and just blitz the game on their own. So it'll be interesting to see what he does, but I don't know. I mean, that was a storyline that I kind of, I'm a bit sad as ended because I really want to see Shanahan win a Super Bowl after the Falcons lost, but um, he'll get plenty more chances. I think it's cool seeing, you know, seeing McVeigh and Shanahan, like these younger coaches getting back to that level. Like it shows you how important coaching is yeah. that there's like these really you know and Andy Reid as well with Mahomes getting to this like stage again it's just it shows you how amazing it is to have a a quality head coach talking of which Brian Flores I I need to read more about it man I'm like I I listened to the around the NFL podcast this morning and I hadn't seen anything else about and I was like driving along to my surveying jobs and I, my mouth was like open i was like oh this is some wild stuff. it is really <laughs> odd i 
I find it really weird in that quite clearly the Giants had made their decision before they interviewed Flores. If these you know messages are true and everything like that. Yeah. But also, if you found the guy for the job, like, or the guy that you want, I'm not saying Brian Flores. Brian Flores is obviously a really good coach after what he's done and mm-hmm. built in Miami. Um, yeah. And he deserves to be a head coach in the NFL somewhere for sure. And I think the Giants might be pretty foolish, to be honest, to have not taken him. But if they found the guy that they think is the guy that they want, they got the Bills uh, OC there, right? Yeah, first That's time, a, first time head coach. I'd rather have, yeah, I'd rather have him. But I don't know. I do like Brian Flores. I, I, it's just, it's kind of like the draft in that it's it's a bit of a lottery. It has to be the right fit yeah. with the right people and the right scheme and all that. But if you found, if you do the interview and you find the guy that you want. In another job, you wouldn't necessarily conduct any other interviews. Or if you did, they would all be like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, it's it's a really interesting situation. The, it is. I, I mean, I'd like I'd like to hear, you know, some of our, you know, when we get some more guests on in the future. Oh, I guess it's a hard one to talk about. I don't know. And like, I could imagine even asking the question seems like it's kind of tough, but I, I do want to hear what people really think of the Rooney rule, like mm. on the kind of ground, because it, it, it feels like it's, it it's, was put in for a good reason, but you can kind of see the flaw in it now where like, if a team has just made their mind up already that they have to go through the motions which is yeah. what he's protesting there. Yeah. And then, but does that have a racial element to it or is it just the practicality of like, well, like the league has told us that we need to do this, but we've got our guy. It's not about race, but then am I just giving too much credit to an organization? Maybe it is a bit about race. And you look at like the stats of like head coaches and GMs in the NFL compared to like black players. And it's you know staggering and it hasn't yeah. really changed that much. You know, you look at the fine, you know, the final head coaches for the championship games. It's like, or like the final coaches of the divisional games. It's like, so I don't know. I'd like to learn more about it. I mean, the stuff that I was more kind of like shocked about just definitively is the paying a coach as an owner to lose lose games. games, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the kind of thing, like, Lewis, who our friend who's a Dolphins fan, who does not like the Dolphins ownership because they, you know, perpetually make bad decisions, like getting rid of Brian Flores, um, which he was really mad about. But he was saying maybe this is something that really skewers them because that is that is nuts and it has loads of implications. Like, is that something that's happened before with owners? Is that like a uh, something that yeah, other teams have done with other coaches. Is it something that's part of the game? Brings the validity of the yeah. sport into question completely. Wow. You think what's going on behind the, the scenes there? Is that a kind of, yeah. maybe that's like an accepted thing? I don't know. Yeah, if there's if there's a coach who is being pressured to lose games and he goes out and loses games, I mean, they've opened the doors to gambling in the NFL now. Yeah. 
And this is the worst thing to come out as you open the doors to gambling because now (laughs) that's owner match fixing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's really worrying that on a long term. And I'm surprised nobody, they've been very good. I bet Goodell was begging Brady just announce the retirement to mm. we can have the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl and Brady and everybody just shush 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 about this money allegation blah yeah. blah blah and it was quite interesting actually that the Flores news went up on ESPN pretty early yesterday about the lawsuit and NFL.com waited a little bit longer before it was like oh we do ha- we like we have to put this up as the front page of the news rather right. than yeah rather right. than like you know giants higher Barry, or whatever like yeah <laughs> so you know there's there's other implications as well like if if the owner was trying to pay for the first round pick effectively when they were really tanking they went eight and one or whatever at the start of the season sorry one and eight um so if he really felt like tanking to try and get the number one overall pick then that shows no faith in Tua. And it kind of backs up the fact that they were making moves to bring in Watson. Um, Watson, yeah. So if you're Tua, you're like, what? you know, how what? much more disrespect can I take? Why do I want to like be to here? play for this organization? And the- how is it going to help their their standing? Like to bring in other players, to bring in other coaches and stuff. The Dolphins. Oh, it's such a bad sign of a rotten organization. The the irony being that. that Tua and Flores didn't really get on, and Tua and the GMs and the uh, and everybody in the back office supposedly did, and yet the back office is res- attempting to restrict the ability for Tua to win in order so they can potentially replace him with a first round pick. Yeah, but or use that first round pick to probably package up to go and get Deshaun Watson or someone else, right? Yeah, that, I mean, that was probably more the play because of the lack of quarterbacks this year. But yeah, you know, whatever the thing, it just doesn't show a lot of faith in the players and the team that they've got. And now, if you're Tua, you're desperate to be course. with Brian Flores because Brian Flores has won you, you know, eight games in nine to finish the season last year, and right. is a proven winner. And he can't get a job. Tua's in a place where the people he kind of sided with almost in that supposed insider um, dysfunctionality in in Miami has uh, the people that are trying to get him to, to lose game. I mean, it just, it's a, it's an absolute mess. What about the fans as well? They're so disrespectful for the fans. If I knew that about the Falcons, that they were tanking a season deliberately, I, I get really annoyed and I, we kind of spoke about this when we were watching red zone um, in the, final weeks of the season and they kept citing uh, Scott Hansen kept citing oh if they lose this then they'll get the number one pick and I was just like there's still football going on like Mm. these games if you're a fan I really don't think you want your team to ever lose a game I I certainly feel like that I can understand maybe in you know the last couple of weeks you're like well look Joe Burrow's there or some you know transcendent generational talent is there we want him we don't want to go and get a offensive guard or whatever Mm. in in the first round we want to get the life-changing quarterback but like the idea that the owner could have been contemplating tanking the season halfway through is like that's such a fuck you to a fan base that's been you know 
like, ah, like who cares about the Dolphins, you know? Yeah. Like they've not been relevant. They've not been relevant in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's... So, they got a, me- a they got a real mess in Miami. Real mess at the moment. <laughs> they got a real mess. They got in a Miami. real real mess in Miami. Um, yeah, Brady going. I mean, he must be livid that it got leaked because. Yeah, what is this with, with Schefter? Why did why would you leak that without his like say so? That seems bold. Because that is too to not let him announce his own too retirement. Too big for one of those guys to not. Like, if you've got that information, like, you you are... Isn't it kind of like, I it, don't know, other players and stuff, they're not going to want to, like, tell them shit, though, are they, after that? Yeah, it's a bit make that or break. Short, yeah. It's a pretty short-term attitude, but I don't know. I guess it maybe he he had told him, and then maybe Brady didn't make it clear enough that he didn't want it to well, be, I don't know. Well, the I guess we've got to give him a bit the, of credit. The TB12 Because he seems guys, like a good guy in interviews and stuff, I don't know. The TB12 account put out that thanks very much tom you know seven super bowls nine super bowl appearances blah 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 they put out a tweet when Schefter broke it so it's it it's kind of weird how they also were like oh okay he's doing it now let's go and then it was backtrack backtrack right. backtrack because you know that brady doesn't want it done in the build-up to the championship games definitely not maybe mm-hmm. this week but i think he's been forced into doing it this week because he wouldn't be retiring next week because then it gets lost in the Super Bowl ether. So what? You yeah, do, surely he wanted it to happen like after the straight Super Bowl. after the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah. Three days after the game hype has died down, and then you, but everyone's still I'm, kind of looking at the NFL. It is a historic thing, and then like it is a historic thing, and it is cool to be able to talk about it. But you're right; it does feel like well, we're getting this news when we don't really want it. You know, that is off-season news that would be really interesting. And then we can, you know, everybody can talk about Brady's legacy and analyse, you know, his time in New England. Just, yeah, it feels like, yeah, it's annoying timing. So there's, uh, we, were, we were chatting about it on um, on, a, on a podcast actually that I was on yesterday, which was, was really fun because I was at the Raiders stadium when we were doing the podcast. So my backdrop was just the the field and Allegiant Stadium and stuff, and they were just. What, like, what podcast is this? Are you doing other? Uh, just yeah, there's some other guys. I was doing some things with. There's nothing. I was uh-huh. a guest. I was a guest. I was a, I was just being a guest on there. All uh, right, all right. Uh, sure about this. It's called the Hurry Up with Andre Dixon. He's a really nice guy. Um, we just. Uh, I don't like him. I'll say that for free. Look, don't, you don't have to be like that. You don't have to be like that. They're, they're all part of the NFL family. They're all good guys. You know, what's it called? The hurry up. Yeah, I wish they would hurry the fuck up. <laughs> and do what? Finish the podcast because it's obviously terrible. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll have to listen to it now. We we, we were chatting <laughs> definitely better than whatever I've ever said. We were chatting about it. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. it came into my head and I forgot to say it on their podcast of, I know it's good, like Brady's retiring, official announcement, but what he should do is sign a day contract with the Patriots so he can retire as a New England Patriot. Because this Bucks-Brady yeah. thing is only a few years and it almost seems like people are comparing his time, like, all oh, the Bucks is as big a part of Brady as the Patriots. It's like, no, not even close. 
in my opinion. Like Brady's a Patriot. Well, I mean, fun, so, fun Brady is in red. He didn't, he didn't mention the Patriots in his like long sign off. Yeah, which is message, right? Which is pretty nuts. So that's what they were talking about on the ATN pod, and uh, it was it was quite funny. They did like ten minutes talking about it because Rosenthal. Greg Rosenthal was saying basically, ah, you're reading too much into it and quite dismissive about it. And then the other guys were like, well, actually, yeah, that's quite a big deal that he's kind of blanked them yeah. in a big spot. Six Super Bowls of your seven. And yeah, it's surprising as well because I didn't think, I knew there was some, I knew it was a little bit of bad blood when he left New England, but I didn't think it would be enough that when he announced his retirement, he wouldn't like reference them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if some stuff's happened since he left New England. Um, And he's been. uh, Bill Bill Belichick just sending him a text every single day. Fuck you. (laughs) Well, hey, he does send texts by accident. He does. He he is very, very. (laughs) He needs to do better reading as well. For a guy that can read the NFL really well. He's not very good at reading messages and headlines. That's that hey, he's a sure, he, he's a boomer, man. He doesn't he doesn't know what's uh, what's up. But um, yeah, and then so I I mentioned to Andre off the podcast like, I should have said that about yeah, signing a contract with the Patriots so he could retire. And then CBS Sports last night at like nine o'clock is like Tom Brady looking at perhaps signing a day contract with the Patriots. Like, damn it, I could have been ahead of the game for like the first time in my life of. <laughs> Oh, that's kind of a good idea. Maybe oh, Wilson on the ball. No, no, CBS gets to be there first. But yeah, I just it's it is going to be sad for Brady to go. Like, I mean, he's given he's given me nightmares. Like, yeah, he's given me the worst and the best like football moments. Like my favorite Super Bowl is the Eagles Super Bowl. The best Super Bowl that I've seen is. Brady against the Seahawks, yeah. And then, obviously, the worst like sporting thing. But you know, if I can remove my fandom from it, like the best comeback ever was against the Falcons with Brady. So, I mean, I wasn't really watching football. I remember falling asleep to one of the Patriots wins. Maybe that was two thousand three at your parents' house. Mm. probably one of the first Super Bowls I watched I remember we ate Chinese food and I fell asleep I think that that was I think that was the um, one of the Brady wins but I wasn't really watching football then but to be around for his kind of second era of winning Super Bowls and then to see him in Tampa as well was pretty special they were all really yeah they were all doing the what's your favorite Brady moment and everyone was saying, oh, it has to be the comeback against Atlanta and you're going to have a few more days, I think, of that just being regurgitated, which is a bit harsh on Atlanta fans. But the best moment, the the very best moment for Tom Brady's entire career for me that just epitomizes him is the spiking the ball for the game-winning field goal in his first ever Super Bowl. It is the perfect spike. He steps back. He downs it into the ground and it pops straight back up and he catches it in one hand. And in that moment, to pull off something that goddamn cool, that's like doing the water bottle flip kind of thing to spike the ball or something. To do that and be like, there's the ball, let's go kick this field goal to win it. In your first ever Super Bowl, in what, your second season in the league, 
I guarantee no one's no one else is saying that. So I I respect that a lot. It's it's so cool. It is so cool. And it's <laughs> that has been in my head for years of that's like my ultimate Brady moment is that thing. It's, it's, if if anybody has Game Pass or anything like that, go back and watch it and just watch how he spikes that. And it's just, bump. there we go. Yeah. Game over. Incredible. I think when I look back at it is if you remove the wins, the Super Bowl wins, and you look at his Super Bowl losses, if you had a career for a quarterback where they had those losses, it would be like such a tragic career result, wouldn't it? Like those losses to the Giants and then to the Eagles. But he played well in all of those games. Mm. And like in the Eagles game, he threw 500 yards and played like nearly flawlessly. And I just can't believe that a player could have that many amazing moments and still have like quite a lot of heartbreaking losses as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's so nuts. Still to lose in three Super Bowls. In that manner as well. All of them, like yeah. end of the game, close run things. You know, it's not like Manning when he was with the Broncos against the uh, against the Seahawks where yeah, and they after a half out, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, well... I guess we just didn't show up today or whatever, but yeah, they were all the, like, yeah, they were the last plays. They were the wrenches. last, yeah. Last drives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, what else, what else do you need to say about it? I mean, it's, um, I'm happy that he's not going to be in my f- team's division anymore because the bucks hopefully are going to suck now, which would be really helpful for me. If the saints suck without Peyton and, the Bucks suck without Brady. That'll be really useful for the Falcons, maybe rebuilding and winning that division again in the next five years. So you're saying there's a chance. All right. There's always a chance, baby. Look at the Bengals. Look at those Bengals. I mean, I don't know if he's pulled out or not yet, actually. Is he going to the Pro Bowl, Brady? I mean, he's I he's, he's voted in, but... I wish he was the MVP. They were saying that on the ATM podcast as well. It would be so fitting. And he would, you know, you couldn't argue that he didn't deserve it this year. It's just like that's, him and Rogers. That's Matt Stafford. Like a coin flip. Like <laughs> I was thinking, He's going to no, get a Super Bowl ring. I was ho- literally thinking about this. Matt Stafford came into that team and made them a Super Bowl caliber team. So he is the most valuable player in that Rams team. And if they win the Super Bowl, that should be him as the most valuable player MVP. I mean, I think they would already be knocking on the door. Yeah, but he, but he's got like he's the one that's the got them three years before. He's the one that's got them over the edge. Yeah. So he is. Although when the, you when you look at the graphics for like that, that divisional game, it was Brady and Aaron Donald that were on there. It wasn't Stafford and Brady. That's Aaron Donald's team, and they've been successful for like nearly the whole time that he's been there. <sighs> Look, so, I just really want to win that I bet. Okay. Stafford's been there. I really want to win that. I bet. want Matt Stafford to fail. Yeah, I wish I had my drops here. I wish <laughs> I had my drops. <laughs> I just did it for you. Thank you. We can have a new one as well. The the weirder, deeper version one. Deeper voice. Right, version. that is that's another thing we're talking about storylines with the Bengals and Burrow just kind of blowing Burrow and the Bengals like lack of success in the past blowing every other narrative about the Rams out of the water. 
but Stafford going from the Lions, which are just a desperately terrible team, like since I've been watching football, just a basket case. And like for him to leave that sinking ship and then to go to the Rams and to go to Super Bowl, that's an amazing story. Like mm. that would be enough for most like NFL years of a narrative. Yeah. So, I mean, people will be talking about that next week, I'm sure, but not really. Like no. everybody's talking about the Bengals. What about You're you, like, Joe? Yeah, that's that's a nice story, but I mean, look at these. But that's my um, that's my little tribute to Jazz for the uh, for the Talksport broadcast. Is this game in terms of the quarterbacks is the fighter and the kid? Because Stafford right. has had to fight all his career while in Detroit, and Joe Burrow is just the kid. I'm enjoying as well all the uh, all the Macaulay Culkin Joe Joe Burrow memes. <laughs> there was a great one which was like wow can you believe joe burrow abandoned by his family lost in new york and now at a super bowl <laughs> what Before... does karakuchi mean by the way i don't know so my uh, bottle of beer this is a asahi karakuchi uh before we finish Trans- i'm gonna cut translate out. it for me a load of that um, but before we finish, you don't want to hear about Karakuchi. No, 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 oh. not, not fast. Oh. What I what I do want to hear is I want to hear what uh, what a few of the Rams had to say after their victory in the NFC Championship game. Uh, first up, we have Eric Weddle, who joined obviously late on in the season and almost cost them the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then they will lead into David Edwards off the offensive line. A very, very brief 30 seconds with Cam Akers. And Van Jefferson uh, gave us a couple of minutes as well, the Rams receiver. So we'll finish with them. Hey, Weddle, congratulations. You're coming back here in two weeks' time to play in a Super Bowl. How does it feel coming late into this team and to then be a part of something this grand for the LA Rams? Hey, I, I just kept telling, keep telling myself that it, I'm meant to be here for, for whatever... Uh, to be here in this moment with these men trying to uh, rally the troops and to have a significant role. I mean, I never could have imagined this. Never even wanted it. And then when you get a call, you better be ready for your opportunity. And uh, I took it and running, and look, we're on the way to the Super Bowl. How did it feel to be part of this defense in this arena tonight when so much was spoken about the noise perhaps being in the favor of the 49ers, but it was so loud for that defense? Look at all our fans here, man. We have more fans than them. Look at them all. We were just ready. Mentally, we were ready for the moment. When it came down to it, we were going to make the plays to win this game. When you got a collective group all thinking as one, you do special things, man. David Edwards, the LA Rams offensive line, an offensive line that took on arguably one of the best pass rushes in the league, kept Matthew Stafford clean, and came up with a huge win tonight. How proud are you of the work that you and your teammates have done on that line? So proud, man. That's a great front. You know, credit's got to go to Matthew and the receivers and the backs. You know, we got rid of the ball in a timely fashion. We had to protect when we had to protect. It all worked. And you outran one of the best rushing attacks in the league as well. You showed that that ground game and getting Cam Akers back healthy at the end of this season. You guys can have a lot of fun bulldozing some people, right? Yeah, no doubt. Cam's a Cam and Sony. You know, those two guys are hell of, a, hell of players. And they ran their ass off tonight. And the credit's got to go to those guys. What about in two weeks' time? Does it feel like you're coming back for a home game? Because you've won this city over, surely now. Crazy. 
crazy. Just, a, just an unbelievable opportunity and experience, and you know, wow. That's all I can say. Congratulations, Thank and you. have a great two weeks. Makers, how does it feel to come back at the right time this season feel and good, take man. this side to the Super Bowl? Feel good, man. Just able to come back and, and do it in front of our fans and mean that much more. We got one more though. That offensive line gave holes to both you and Sony throughout this playoff as well. It seems like this run game has really found itself in this yeah. postseason. Yeah, and it don't go without the offensive line, you know. That's where it starts, you know, uh, and, and we just ride them, you know. And this the result, confetti. Are you going to feel comfy coming back in two weeks' time into your home stadium for this big game? 100%. We'll be ready. Awesome, man. We'll be ready. Thank you very much. Thank you. Van Jefferson, Super Bowl bound wide receiver of the Los Angeles Rams. Just put into words how that feels. Man. Oh, man. It feels amazing, man. I mean, words can't even describe, man. I, you know, just how excited I am and how happy I am for this team and how happy I am for the coaches, man. Everyone's a team effort. So, you know, hosting the Super Bowl here in LA is going to be an amazing feeling, man. And, uh, you know, we're going to enjoy this tonight, but we got more work to do. How did you deal with that game? Because from the sidelines down here, it was just momentum one way than the other and one way than the other. How do, how do you guys on the sideline cope with that sort of game and stay mentally focused? Yeah, we just got to keep our composure, man. I think uh, everyone had a calm mentality. You know, we knew we was going to have to come out here and execute, and that's what we did, man. So, uh, you know, it was a great feeling, man. I think, you know, the way Matt, Matt leads his team and the way, you know, he's calm in the huddle, you know, he's telling us in the huddle, like, we're going to win this game. Just keep going. And, so, man, that's what we did, and we believed, and we kept going. Can you tell us what was said in the huddle after the Jaquiski tart dropped interception? Because the next play, you guys go out and execute to Odell down the sideline. What was the conversation in that huddle about before that play? Uh, no flinch. You know, Matt just came and said, I was like, hey, let's go, next play. So that's what we did, and, you know, you see he didn't, he didn't flinch. No, none of us flinched, and, uh, you know, it was a long drive, and we ended up getting some points out of it. So, you know, uh, you know mistakes are going to happen. So you just got to keep going and keep playing, and, you know, uh, just keep balling, man. So you got to keep going. And super special to get one over the Niners as well. Divisional rival, biggest game of the season yeah. until two weeks' time, obviously. Yeah. And with the record that there's been against the Niners in the last few games, must feel a little extra sweet to get that one, right? Oh, yeah, definitely sweet. <laughs> I mean, they beat us six times in a row. So this is definitely sweet to get the win, especially go to the uh, win to advance us to the Super Bowl. So, man, we're just so excited, man. We're just so relieved and, you know, uh, so happy for, you know, just everybody in the team, for the city. So, you know, it's time to go to work, man. And uh, hosting Super Bowl here is no better, no better feeling. Congratulations and have a great game in two yes, weeks' sir. time as Thank well, man. So Thank much. you. Appreciate Thanks for your time, buddy.